Yes, it is time for the Chief Zone Podcast. I am your host, Farzin Vasugian. Thank you guys for downloading another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast on iTunes. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast, and anytime a new podcast is out, it'll be downloaded straight to your iTunes library, so be sure you do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I'm your host, Farzin Vasugian. Once again, thank you guys for taking time out of your day in the morning, afternoon, evening, uh, maybe in the middle of the night. Uh, you're out for a late-night drive listening to the podcast, whatever the case may be. Thank you again for checking out this edition of the Chiefstone Podcast. I want to apologize real quickly. It seemed like there was some sort of a technical glitch from the last podcast, but um, uh, kind of out of uh, iTunes' control, a couple of you guys did tweet me about that. I think it was on my end. So I'm going to keep a close eye on the uh, on the recorder as I do this podcast. Uh, but nonetheless, I do appreciate you guys uh, letting me know about that. I used to listen to my podcasts to uh, self-critique and such. I don't do that as much anymore. Uh, so I, I had no idea about this until uh, you guys brought it to my attention. So anytime there is an issue with the podcast itself, uh, anytime you guys can inform me about that, uh, that is uh, greatly appreciated. So please let me know in the future if that happens again. Uh, it, it seems to be working fine just now. Uh, if it doesn't, then uh, it, it may be on iTunes. And I'm not exactly sure, but uh, I'll take the uh, I'll take the bleep the blame on this one. I'll take the heat here. But nonetheless, we've got an exciting podcast for you guys. Of course, the Chiefs looking to extend their winning streak to six in a row against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs returning to Arrowhead before a pair of tough games on the road at Denver, at Atlanta. Which, by the way, breaking news real quickly: uh, the Chiefs. And the Broncos for Week 12. That game has been flexed to Sunday Night Football. So the Chiefs and Broncos twice this year are going to be playing on Sunday Night Football. Uh, the One of them being on Christmas night. The other uh, originally planned to be just on CBS. But uh, hey, hey, what do you know? You've got the best division in football. Probably uh, two of these teams, are go- both of them are going to make the playoffs. Maybe as wild cards. Maybe one of them as a division winner. And the NFL said, hey, look, this has to be flexed to a Sunday night game. So props to both teams. Uh, You know, me personally, I did not think the Chiefs were going to be as good as they are right now. And the Denver Broncos, uh, I think they've definitely exceeded a lot of people's expectations after some of the key losses they took on on defense this past offseason. And they're both winning a lot of football games, and that's uh, going to translate to more primetime games for these teams. So much deserved. Uh, I know Sunday night has not been very kind to the Chiefs, especially against Denver, but uh, uh, ho- hopefully uh, the tables can turn because the Chiefs need to keep this ball rolling. And uh, if you want to be super optimistic, the Chiefs haven't lost a game in November this year nor last year under Andy Reid. So uh, you've got to like what you're seeing so far from this football team and the way that they, uh, the way they're playing football in the second half. Uh, so... Uh, I, I don't know what it is about this football team after bye weeks. I know Andy Reid has a strong reputation after a bye week, but not necessarily every single game. But uh, with Kansas City, that seems to be different. So that was the big news this week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they will be uh, flexing their Week 12 game against the Broncos to Sunday Night Football. As always, I love the interaction with you guys. Facebook.com slash SportscasterFarzine or search my name Farzine Vesugian on Facebook. Give it a like and rack with me on there. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, now with some exciting news like that, there is a, a, bit, a bit of bad news uh, this week and just a very unfortunate incident uh, involving long snapper James Winchester. I, I posted this on the page. You guys have already probably heard about this. Uh, but... Uh, 
James Winchester, the long snapper, his father was killed in the uh, Oklahoma City shooting that took place at the airport there. Uh, so Winchester and Andy Reid said this in his press conference, family does come first. So Winchester has been excused from team activities. Uh, so he is going to miss practice. Uh, may, maybe going to be unavailable to play this week. Unsure about that. Uh, but but obviously that's the last thing on his mind. Uh, he may come back. He may not. I, I'm actually going to touch on that part a little bit uh, when uh, I, I go around the NFL. Uh, because there was a, a player this past week who did play just shortly learning uh, about a death in his family. Uh, so Some players handle it differently. Uh, people handle certain situations differently. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll touch on that later. But nonetheless, thoughts and prayers to James Winchester and the... Uh, just a horrific event that that took place. Um, listen, uh, shootings. Uh, wh- what do you say? Uh, they've been uh, an ongoing thing for a long time at movie theaters, at at events where people are, are just going. I mean, I mean, who, who knows? I, I I don't know where he was traveling. Maybe coming to Kansas City to visit his son. Uh, maybe he had just visited his son in Kansas City, and that was a connecting. Fight. I don't know. Um, but it's just people trying to move on with their lives, and next thing you know, this happens. And, uh, of course, that nightclub shooting in Orlando. Uh, just people going out trying to have fun, and things like this occur. So it's uh, it's really unfortunate. Again, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to uh, him and his family and all the loved ones affected by this. Uh, it's tough. Uh, it really is. Um but, you know, uh, in situations like this, and it's hard to transition from a story like this, but uh, you, you've got to move forward. Uh, the Chiefs do have a game to play this week. do want to touch on one other story, though, uh, that has caught national attention as well uh, with Alex Smith, I guess, um, making some sort of a quote-unquote political statement. I, I know this has been such a hot topic this week. I know. Uh, the, there have been a couple players who who uh, sat during the national anthem because of Trump winning the election. Uh, Alex Smith had a uh, safety pin on his shirt, which people are up in arms about. Listen, I a lot of times I'm listening to these press conferences on the radio, so I I, I had no idea about this. I I don't actually watch press conferences. Uh, if it's on their Facebook page, I'll just leave it on my phone and have it playing in the background, and then I'll I'll go about my day. Uh, I'm not actually watching the actual uh, press conference itself. Uh, so I had no idea about this until it became a story. My dad texted me about the story when he read it online. It's just people – he noted that people are paying attention to the smallest things. I mean why is this even a subject? Uh, but look, uh, you know, the NFL this year has been uh, has been crazy when it comes to these political tie-ins. Of course, with some of the shootings uh, involving police officers and African-Americans and just a stance that players are trying to take with that Colin Kaepernick being the first one to to really make some noise with that uh now the elections and 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 the things that players are trying to do there uh I, I don't know uh I've always thought it'd be nice if we lived in a world where sports and politics were in their own separate worlds but uh look it's 2016 social media uh, the era we live in today, uh, so many people who want to get their thoughts out there, uh, those are going to be tied in, uh, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, nonetheless, I don't think Alex Smith was, and Alex Smith's been a very quiet guy. I don't think this is someone who was trying to make a 
a big deal out of anything. So, uh, he's one of the more quiet guys on the team too. Uh, you know, you don't you don't see Alex Smith on social media. You don't you don't see him out there. And of course, he has two young kids, so he's pretty ocup- occupied with his personal life too. I mean, he just shows up, practices, does his thing, and, and goes home and enjoys his life uh, with his kids and, and his wife. So, I don't know. I don't think anything was meant to be made of that subject. Uh, maybe there was, and he just wanted to keep it to himself, just keep it small. Uh, you know, it's so different than when people wear a certain color to represent a certain cause or, or to show support. Uh, you know, I, I think that could have been something very similar in his case right there, and people decided to blow it way out of proportion. So uh, take what you can from that, but uh, I, I don't think it's really a big subject. Uh, to me at least, but I just wanted to get that out there. I, I don't think it's really meant to be a big deal that people are making it to be. Okay, before we get into breaking down the game between the Chiefs and Buccaneers, and then, of course, going around the NFL out of bounds and throwing our penalty flags, I just want to look at this team, kind of just kind of overview. Uh, by the way, the Chiefs are getting a lot of national love this week. Last week it was the Raiders after a big Sunday night win over the Denver Broncos. And a lot of Chiefs fans were irritated with that. The amount of national love they kept getting. And I said to my, and I think it was Chris who commented on our Facebook page uh, when I asked, look, does it bother you that the Raiders are getting all this love when the Chiefs defeated the Raiders earlier this week and had nearly the same record? Now they have the same record because the Raiders finally had their bye week. But at the time, it was the Raiders with a slightly better record. And Chris commented on our Facebook page and said, look, it's not a big deal. The Raiders are the more polarizing franchise in the NFL. And the Chiefs are, are always the under-the-radar team. And, and that's actually a good thing. Uh, you know, it, it, look, at, look, I know I've made a lot of comparisons with the Royals. But, you know, given how, how they've been the talk of the town, uh, the Royals, they kind of came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden became the most dominant baseball team for two years. And even though they didn't make the playoffs this year, they're still that team because of the way they play baseball in the eighth and ninth innings. But you get the idea. You know, the Chiefs are kind of that team where they're going to enter the playoffs and kind of come out of nowhere. And a lot of people are are going to be unprepared for this, not really knowing much about this Chiefs football team. And I kind of find it funny, too, that, and by all means, I'm not trying to take away a lot of credit from this team, but... This is a 7-2 and two team that when you look at how they play football, mainly from the offensive side, it doesn't strike you as a 7-win football team out of 9 games. And same thing could be said about 2013 when they went 9-0 and to start off the season. You know, is that the way they played football offensively do a lot of these teams that we see start off 7-0, and 8-0, and 9-0, I mean, is that is that the t- kind of offense we see from a lot of these teams that have these long unbeaten streaks and being one of the last teams to lose a football game? No, uh, the Chiefs have been a much different offense. Uh, and you look at Andy Reid. Like I said, I've said this a few times, but the Chiefs have been above five hundred in all three years, possibly now four years under Andy Reid, which hasn't been done a long time in Chiefs history, not since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. But the way the Chiefs are playing on offense, winning 11 games twice and 9 games in 2014 since Reed's been the head coach, if you were to look at this offense, just the offense by itself, 
You may look at this team and say, this is a 500 team at best. I know for a long time I've been talking about this offense and how much potential this offense have with the speed and guys like Chris Conley and uh, uh, Albert Wilson. And, of course, we know Jeremy Macklin, what he's capable of this year, kind of kind of a quiet year for him, especially with the injuries he's been dealing with. But I've got to say this right now, uh, as much as I have tried to talk about this offense I've kind of been a little biased about this because I keep talking about the potential that this offense could live up to, and they are not living up to that potential. Albert Wilson, I think, can be a great receiver, but with those drops that you saw this past week, it's hard for us to really trust and believe in a guy like Albert Wilson. Again, who and all of these guys have tremendous speed, but Albert Wilson, again, very fast guy, but... That potential, he can't reach that window if those drops occur, if he can't win uh, one-on-one plays against a defensive back and get wide open. Uh, Same with Chris Conley. Again, I I know so much was made about him and and his combine when he was entering the NFL, but I, I think even Chris Conley, for a guy who, for a reason, was dropped to the third round, this is a guy who... It, it, he's still making progress as a, as a number, or not a number one wide receiver, but at least a starting receiver. I truly do believe that the best wide receiver on this football team is Tyreek Hill. And I read some of the comments on the last podcast. Check it out if you haven't. But I asked you guys, who do you guys think is the best, or not the best player, the MVP on this team? A lot of people said uh, D Ford and Marcus Peters, but a few votes were cast for Tyreek Hill which I was surprised by. And I've got to say, Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, uh, disclaimer, is really fun to use on Madden. But as far as his in-game potential in real life, I mean, this guy can do a lot of damage on opposing offenses. And he's really been your most consistent player on offense, really your biggest threat. And I'm excluding Travis Kelsey from this, but he's really been the the, the most consistent offensive player for, for you. Uh, among your wide receivers. And of course, he got more reps. He actually started uh, because uh, of Jeremy Macklin's absence in this game. In fact, the Chiefs uh, took him away from kick returning duties because they want him to focus more on the offensive side of the football. They still had him return punts, which I, I've got to say, that's a little tricky. I know Jamal Charles was in that uh, same situation in 2009 where he was handling kickoff return duties and playing on offense. And of course, he had a big game against the Steelers where he. Uh, had that kickoff return to to start off the game or took it all the way for a touchdown and also scored a couple times on offense. Uh, but, of course, when that became his primary role, the Chiefs uh, looked for someone else to be the kick return on the team. That's when they drafted Javier Arenas and Dexter McCluster. So I've got to say, and, you know, I think I really haven't seen a player like this in Tyreek Hill since Dante Hall, really. But the difference with Dante Hall and Tyreek Hill Dante Hall showed improvements as a wide receiver, but never became that number one wide receiver threat. So the Chiefs had him maintain his kick returning and punt returning duties throughout his entire time from 2001 to 2006 in Kansas City. Whereas with Tyreek Hill, he's still handling the punt return duties, but for how long? Especially if you're going to continue to give him these reps. I know Jeremy Macklin was absent. He may play this week. It's unsure. Same with Marcus Peters, who's dealing with a nagging injury. Derek Johnson, though, it doesn't seem to be as serious, so it's probably more probable than questionable. Uh, but, but the point is, whether I mean, forget about the injury with Macklin right now. 
Let's say Tyreek Hill is just good enough to, to be a starter on this team. Maybe a number two over Chris Conley. Is the, or not even just that, maybe it's just a guy who used a lot on offense too, even as a slot receiver, which is, which is entirely possible, especially with this kind of style of the Chiefs run on offense. Is this something where you, you've got to say, hey, look, we've, we've got to use DeAnthony Thomas or, and Niall Davis more on special teams and let Tyreek Hill just focus on offense. Maybe have him be the emergency return guy if there are injuries taking place. I'm sure that was a role Jeremy Macklin had last year with the Chiefs. Uh, but, and I know Spencer Ware, he's also been active. As, he was active as a returner last year, but given that he's the primary running back this year, of course you don't want him to be your primary kick returner also. That, that's just not a smart move. And again, I'm sure, you know, if there's a case where you want, if you're down by a field goal or a touchdown or six points and you want, you're about to get the uh, kickoff with two minutes left to go in the game, sure, you might want your fastest guy out there. And that's when you would consider putting back Tyreek Hill or Spencer Ware or maybe even Jeremy Macklin. Who knows? But the point is, I think the Chiefs have got to be a little careful with how they handle Tyreek Hill because. This is a guy who's getting a lot of touches. He's starting to get more and more face time on the on the gridiron. And the last thing you want to do is, and by all means, it's not like he's Larry Johnson at the running back position where he's about to break the record for most carries in a single season. No. Uh, but I think at, at his position, this is a guy who the Chiefs have not shied away from using, even in the rushing department with those jet sweep plays. Uh, and... Even though the Chiefs have run it many times and it's easy for teams to study on game film, the Chiefs still run it and it works just fine with Tyreek Hill. So uh, I, I just think if you're going to do, if you're going to throw all these passes at him and also have him run one or two times per game, that's when you may have him shy away from kick return duties. Maybe let him stay as a punt returner, which the Chiefs exactly did this week. If the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill moving forward the same way they use him against the Panthers, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I think that is the safe way to go about it because, number one, of course, as a kick returner, you're going full speed. Use all the bursts you can to go as fast as you can and get, get in as many yards as you can. Set your offense up with great field position to start off. You take that duty away from Tyreek Hill, then maybe he's more energized and has better stamina going out on offense for the Chiefs. So uh, that's a subject that I was really compelled to, uh, I wanted to bring up because I think Tyreek Hill is a fantastic player. And the Chiefs have had a couple of rookies who have really stood out lately. Uh, of course, Chris Jones on the defensive side. And you want to keep that going. When you get great rookie play from your players, uh, obviously it's completing the last couple pieces missing from the puzzle on your team, and your rookies are going out there handling uh, what you did not have before. Listen, I think with Tyreek Hill, uh, what the Chiefs wanted from Dexter McCluster and DeAnthony Thomas, and I I still give DeAnthony Thomas a little bit of hope because he's still on the team, but this is what you expected from those two players in McCluster and Thomas. And you haven't seen that, unlike Hill, who's been fantastic at every at everything he's he's really done. He's the best punt returner in the NFL right now, statistically. So you've got that going for him and for your team. And then of course, and and that, of course, that's why the Chiefs want him to maintain those punt return duties versus letting him uh, you know take a break from kick returns. And offensively, like like I said, he he's starting to show. 
that he can really go up some of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and torture him on some of these plays. Uh, of course, Alex Smith tried to go for that deep pass, trying to get Tyreek Hill where he did beat his corner, but kind of an off throw there. Uh, some people even blaming Tyreek Hill. It's funny, I saw a lot of mixed responses as to who the blame was for that interception that went to Trey Boston. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's kind of a toss-up in that situation. But the point is, Tyreek Hill actually outran the defensive backs. It's just Trey Boston uh, came in the way, and Alex Smith kind of did telegraph that pass. And uh, he came in with that interception sweep to uh, cause the turnover. So I think for the Chiefs, uh, that's just something they'll work on moving forward. But the point is, uh, he went out there and torched those the, the defensive backs and could have had a touchdown right there. So this is a guy who's starting to show that he is a complete player on offense and he can be trusted on. He's a viable asset uh, for Alex Smith moving forward. All right, it's now time to break down the matchup this weekend at Arrowhead Stadium between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers coming into Arrowhead with a 4-5 and five record. Oddly, the Buccaneers have been really bad at home, winning just one game and dropping four. However, they're 3-1 and one on the road this season. So whatever reason, for whatever reason, uh, the Bucs have just been terrible at home but great on the road. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we've kind of seen this in, in similar situations, especially with Kansas City last year, where they they still won a lot of game, 11 games, uh, but their home games were narrow wins, whereas their games on the road were dominant blowouts. Uh, so it, it's just one of these weird things we see sometimes in the NFL from time to time. Parody, people. Just, I mean, it's, it, it happens all sorts of ways. But uh, nonetheless, I, I think it needs to be, uh, taken into consideration, uh, the Bucks are uh, no cupcake team, at least when they're on the road this season. So Kansas City will have a tough task in handling a team that's been really good on the road this season. But of course, we know what the Chiefs are about at Arrowhead Stadium. They've won 10 straight, which by the way, uh, they're inching closer to a franchise record. Uh, the Chiefs have only won 10 straight three times before. They did it in 1968 through 1969. Now, of course, they had fewer games, so uh, the uh, amount of years it took it, it kind of felt a little bit longer. Uh, but the Chiefs did win 10 straight in the late 60s. Now, of course, the uh, under Marty Schottenheimer, uh, there were a lot of home wins during that time as well. The Chiefs won 11 straight from 1994 to 1996. So in the mid-90s, the Chiefs pulled together 11 consecutive wins. Uh, but it was Dick Vermeule's Chiefs from 2002, or early 2002, and that carried over to 2003. The Chiefs stringed together 13 wins at Arrowhead Stadium. So the Chiefs right now, three home wins away from tying that record. So just to give you an idea, they have the Buccaneers. They can make it 11 if they beat the Raiders for their next home game, that's the Thursday night game in December. They would make it 12 That if they def- continue uh, the streak of wins at Arrowhead. If, and if they defeat the Titans on December the 18th, that will make it 13 in a row. And then if they defeat the Broncos on Christmas night, that will make it 14 in a row. Which would be a franchise record and a great Christmas gift on Christmas night. So uh, not, a, not a bad way to celebrate Christmas if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Making it 14 straight at Arrowhead. But... First things first, got to handle the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just wanted to give you guys an idea of where the Chiefs are with that franchise record for consecutive wins at Arrowhead Stadium. 
and uh, of course that 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 says something a lot. I mean, the Chiefs, of course, in the nineties under Schottenheimer and under Vermeil, uh, had a lot of big wins at home, and now you're starting to see it with Andy Reid. So uh, de- definitely good to see the Chiefs have that Arrowhead magic back on their side. It's been a while since we've had that, so it's good to see. But Tampa Bay, again, like I said, coming in uh, for some reason better on the road than at home. And uh, just looking at their offense, we'll start with that. Uh, 16th in total offense, so right in the middle of the pack. Uh, 17th in passing. Uh, 20th in rushing, though I do think that's a bit of a misleading stat with their rushing department. Uh, scoring 24 points per game, that's 13th best in the NFL. One of the better teams in the NFL when it comes to converting on third down. 42% of their conversion of their third downs have converted into first downs. That's 10th best in the National Football League. Just to look at their offense. Jameis Winston under center, uh, like I said, of course, uh, played at FSU. Uh, He's got 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The 10 interceptions, that is tied for fifth most with Eli Manning. The 19 touchdowns uh, tied seventh most in the NFL. So, uh, kind of an up and down year. I, I mean, he he throws the ball a lot more often than uh, than most quarterbacks in the National Football League. So, uh, you know, the, the the more you throw it, the more chances of it being picked off. Part of the problem is though with this Buccaneers offense, and I'll get to the passing game. You know, they only have one reliable pass catcher. But like I said a moment ago, I, I feel like the rushing statistic being twentieth in the NFL a little bit misleading. I feel like they have a really good rushing attack, uh, just a really good uh, rushing presence with. Jaquise Rogers, Peyton Barber, and Doug Martin. Doug Martin used to be dominant for a little bit in the NFL, but it's kind of been quiet uh, a little bit lately. But uh, looking at looking at their uh, roster or their injury report right now, Rogers and Martin both questionable for this game. Uh, the the Buccaneers as a team have just five touchdowns on the ground, though, so a lot of their scoring comes through the year and. Uh, this is where they get a lot of their scoring and a lot of their yards, and that's with Mike Evans, uh, their wide receiver, who has 811 yards. That's third most in the National Football League. He also has eight touchdowns. That ties Jordan receiver for most in the NFL. But like I said, I mean that's that's they don't have much from their passing attack. That's really all they have. And you know, yes, Mike Evans is great. No, I, I mean a lot of NFL teams would take Mike Evans. Over a lot of wide receivers, I mean, they could definitely use, a team like the Chiefs could use uh, Mike Evans for sure. But again, you look at the Bucks; they don't have a lot behind them. Adam Humphreys is their second best player when it comes to receiving yards. He has 383 yards, and he's a slot receiver. Vincent Jackson having a bad year, and of course now with that knee injury, which will sideline him for the remainder of the season. Cameron Bright, the tight end. Uh, not a vertical threat, but he does have five touchdowns, so he's a he's an end zone threat for Jameis Winston. He ties three different tight ends in the NFL for most touchdown catches at that position this season. Again, five touchdowns for Cameron Bright. So, I mean, that, that's really the offensive side for Tampa Bay. Again, I think an underrated rushing attack with Kansas City not being very good against the run, 27th and stopping the run. I think this is the time where... Jameis Winston, yeah, sure, he may try to look for 
that weakness in Kansas City secondary, especially with Marcus Peters. He's he's getting closer to being a better lockdown corner, but he still gives up a lot of yards from time to time. So I think that's something the Tampa Beaters def, def, definitely want to expose and exploit against Marcus Peters uh, when uh, he has to go up against Mike Evans. So that'll be a fun matchup to see, uh, seeing how Jameis Winston handles uh, Marcus Peters uh, when he has Mike Evans, one of the top receivers in the NFL. But I, I think they've got to go more run heavy in this game than they have in past games. Uh, like I said, I mean, Rodgers, Barber, Martin, assuming they're all healthy and ready to go this week, uh, that's a very good group of running backs to have uh, going up against this Chiefs defense, which has really struggled in stopping the run. And again, for some reason, the Chiefs allow a lot of yards, but at the end of the day, they don't allow a lot of points. But uh, th- that is where I think uh, a guy like Cameron Bright will come in in handy for the Buccaneers, where he'll, he'll come through with another touchdown grab and uh, continue his end zone presence uh, and basically helping the Buccaneers in that category. Defensive side, not a lot of positive things to say about this defense uh, 24th in total defense, 22nd against the pass, uh, 25th against the run. I, I think this is a game where we're going to see a lot of ground and pound from both teams, and that's not something we see a lot in the NFL nowadays, it, it being such a pass-heavy league. So I think both the Buccaneers and the Chiefs will try to use that rushing attack in this game. But uh, just to highlight some of their players, Gerald McCoy, uh, one of the d- defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, uh, leads the team in sacks with four and a half. And if I'm not mistaken, was in the same draft class as Eric Berry in 2010. Noah Spence is second on the team with four sacks. Brent Grimes, one of their top defensive backs, uh, the cornerback, played for the Miami Dolphins for a while. Of course, his wife kind of got him in a little bit of trouble when she got into arguments uh, after Dolphins games, uh, which I was hoping Brent Grimes would have came to Kansas City. Would have been nice to have him opposite of Marcus Peters. Uh, very good cornerback. Uh, he's got a pair of picks this season for the Buccaneers, leading the team in that category. But uh, outside of that, not not much else going on with the Buccaneers. They do have Bradley McDougald. Yes, the same Bradley McDougald who played at the University of Kansas. And I have to admit ignorance a little bit because I have not seen a lot of Tampa Bay games this season. However, I did see that game where the Oakland Raiders uh, shattered the record for most penalties in a single game, but still managed to defeat the Buccaneers in overtime. Uh, that was the same uh, game where Bradley McDougald, and I can't remember, I think it was Michael Crabtree or Mark Cooper, one of the two, I can't remember which one, uh, but uh, Derek Carr threw to one of his receivers on fourth down. Bradley McDougald had the receiver wrapped up in his hands but could not hang on. And uh, the Raiders receiver went on to score the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Almost ended in a tie. That was when the whole tie uh, rampant was going on at the time. Uh, but, 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 of course, the, F- the Raiders managed to prevent that. And uh, that was Bradley McDougald, yes. Uh, former Kansas Jayhawk who uh, was not able to wrap him. Now, he's been somewhat good for the Buccaneers. He was briefly with the Chiefs. In 2013 for his rookie season, which, by the way, was kind of a crazy year because uh, the Chiefs brought in three players from KU. It was Dane Christ, who was with the Chiefs just in the offseason, the quarterback. And then they had Toba DePorum, who switched from playing defensive end to fullback. But Bradley McDougald remained uh, as a safety in the NFL when he made his transition from college to the NFL. And the Chiefs had him for a little bit on the team. So the kind of a weird time uh, when the Chiefs had 
three players from KU trying to compete for a roster spot. Two of them uh, were on the active roster spot for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Bradley McDougal, uh, some familiarity. Uh, he's uh, he, he played he's played for the Chiefs a little bit, and of course played for the Kansas Jayhawks. Played both offense and defense. In fact, that uh, he actually has a receiving touchdown at Arrowhead Stadium uh, back when uh, he was a wide receiver for the Jayhawks, and that, that was also back during the KUMU games that took place at Arrowhead Stadium. Last thing to note on the Buccaneers, Robert Agoyu, uh he's made 9 of 14 field goals this season. Uh, just one of the worst kickers in the NFL that actually has a job. A lot of kickers have have lost their jobs this season. Uh, he's one of the few who's... he's a dra- Here's the thing, the Buccaneers have no choice. They have to keep him. I, I don't know if you guys remember this, the Chiefs traded down with the Buccaneers in the second round. That is when the Buccaneers traded up to get a kicker. They traded up with the Chiefs to draft this guy, who has missed five field goals this season. Look, I know uh, Sebastian Janikowski, amazing kicker, one of the best in NFL history, but still, I don't know if even Sebastian Janikowski is worth a first-round draft pick. I don't know in what world do we live in where punters and kickers have some value to apparently the Buccaneers at least, where this is a guy who has missed five field goals and he is a second-round pick. And guess what? You can't really cut the guy because, I mean, do you want to cut your second-round pick midway through the season? I mean, it just looks bad on your franchise. Uh, You kind of want to stick with it, but uh, it is hard to watch, so... Uh, that's the uh, that's the special team situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not a very good group on special teams, and it makes you feel fortunate when you see w- what the Chiefs have. And uh, Dave Tobe, outstanding special teams coordinator, and just with Cairo Santos, how much he's improved since his rookie year. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, I mentioned earlier, best punt returner in the NFL statistically. So uh, it feels good. The Chiefs definitely have the edge on special teams against the Buccaneers. All right, I talked earlier about this offense. This offense hasn't lived up to their potential. I feel like if they do, they can blow out a lot of teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chiefs opened up as 7.5-point favorites to defeat the Buccaneers and uh, favored to win their 11th straight game at Arrowhead Stadium. I think the Chiefs do win this football game, but I think it's going to be another challenge. They might make it harder than it would be. Uh, We might be talking about another ugly win, but again, uh, I'll take ugly wins any day over a loss, and I know any single sports fan would any day of the week. Uh, Listen, there have been a lot of ugly wins for sports. I feel like as Chiefs fans, we're still kind of getting used to the fact that uh, the Chiefs were bad from 07 to 2012, and listen, the Chiefs during those years... Under Todd Haley and Herm Edwards, Romeo Cornell, the Chiefs challenged a couple of good teams. And those good teams defeated Kansas City, and it was an ugly loss for them. But guess what? Their fans and that franchise, they don't care. I mean, if you win games, you win. Andy Reid even joked, hey, Picasso's paintings weren't always perfect, but they were good. I mean, good enough to... Be, be noted, I guess. I mentioned this on the Facebook page, and I noticed I was able to convince people, look, it's okay to have an ugly win. But in 2012, 
the Chiefs played against the Tampa, or uh, not the Tampa, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. That game ended by a score of 9-6. to six. It was a field goal duel, basically. Now, you may not recall that game. I mean, that was one of 14 losses for the Chiefs in 2012. To give you an idea of what happened in that game, that was a game where Matt Castle got hurt. Eric Winston went on his crybaby tirade after the game. Brady Quinn came in for the Chiefs, and that was kind of the new era, or brief era, I guess, for Brady Quinn in Kansas City. Uh, but but the, you, you get the idea. That was the game. The Chiefs lost that game 9-6. to Guess what happened to the Ravens that year? They won the Super Bowl. Their worst game that year was against the Chiefs. That was the fewest points they scored in a game that year. Again, it was against the Chiefs, but they still won. I guarantee you, Ravens fans, the, the, the entire Ravens organization, they looked at that as an ugly win, but they still took that win and moved on to the next week and eventually won the Super Bowl. So it's okay to have ugly wins, even against teams that aren't great, like the Carolina Panthers, like the Indianapolis Colts or the Saints. Because at the end of the day, you're winning football games, and that's what matters. And I think the Chiefs can do that again this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think it might be another ugly win. I think you're going to see their their rushing attack. Jaquise Rogers, if he's able to go, if he's healthy and ready to, to start in this game, uh, Peyton Barber and Doug Martin, again, assuming they're, they're all ready to go. I think they can do some damage on this rushing defense. Uh, they, they really can. They, they haven't been very good. Derek Johnson, as great as he's been, even he has had trouble stopping running backs this season. So uh, this has been a, a tough year for the Chiefs. If there's anything, two things I can nitpick. One is Kansas City's consistency to play four full quarters of football. And the other thing is just their rush defense. Uh, I mean, if they can fix that, I think the defense can hold teams to even fewer points, which was, which is scary to think about because the Chiefs are already doing a great job keeping teams away from lining up the scoreboard. Where, where What about Kansas City? I mean, I talked about Tampa Bay and what they can do in this game. I think the Chiefs, like I said, same game plan. Run the football with Spencer Ware, Chuck Kendrick, West, Niall Davis. Heck, maybe even continue doing these trick plays. Jet sweeps with DeAnthony Thomas and Tyree Kill. I think uh, you can use, you can go run heavy and use your running backs. And even guys who have played the running back position in the past, like Tyree Kill and DeAnthony Thomas, uh, use them to, to, to keep everyone fresh and keep them active. I'd love to predict the blowout, but I just don't see that happening. I, the reason I say I'd love to predict the blowout, of course, fans love that. But on top of that, I think it'd be nice to relieve your starters and let the backups come in and play. Let Nick Foles finish off the game in the fourth quarter. Let uh, uh, let Niall Davis uh, or, or uh, DeAnthony Thomas, let those guys finish off uh, You know, wide receivers uh, or uh, Travis Ross. You get the idea. Uh, it'd be nice to, to, to just have that. For uh, even a quarter, let your uh, let your starters uh, just rest up for a bit, kind of like a, a baseball team when they give some of their starters a day off every now and then. If the Chiefs can run the football with their running backs, I think they can do a lot of damage just as many, maybe even more. I think Kansas City has a better group of running backs. Uh, I, I think if you want to put out all the running backs, I, I think. Tampa Bay has a good group, but Spencer Ware is the better running back out of everyone that is going to be playing in this game this week at Arrowhead Stadium. And I'll even say this. I think with Alex Smith and what he's capable of with his feet, I think that can definitely throw off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you do that, the option, I mean, the the, the fake QB runs, 
uh, bootleg even. I think that'll definitely throw off this Bucks defense, and Alex Smith could probably gain a lot of yards uh, scrambling against the Bucks defense. So I think that's even another key. But more importantly, I think this is a game where it's 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 a game for Travis Kelsey to really just explode and dominate. Again, like I said, probably going to be an ugly win. It should be more one-sided than it'll turn out to be. But at the end of the day, I think Kansas City is going to take care of business. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a twenty to thirteen win for the Chiefs at home, extending that winning streak to eleven games at Arrowhead, extending it to six games on the season, and improving to eight and two on the season so that'd be huge for the Chiefs uh if they can get that eighth win this week especially before they go on the road and face two competitive teams in the Broncos and the Falcons all right time to go around the NFL okay I talked earlier about James Winchester and uh, of course the tragic uh, events that took place at Oklahoma City, him losing his father in a shooting that took place at the airport there. Uh, is he going to play this week? I I don't know. Uh, I mentioned earlier, everyone handles these kinds of losses differently, especially NFL players. It's You would think a lot of times NFL players would want to take the week off, but uh, a lot of them end up playing anyway. Des Bryant, he learned about his father's death uh, the night before, I believe, the, the Cowboys played this past week, and uh, he still went out there and played. And uh, he got the game ball and opened up about it earlier this week. Brett Favre, of course, one of his more memorable moments was when he played on Monday Night Football and dominated against the Raiders shortly after learning about his father's death. Uh, here in Kansas City, we, of course, remember what happened with Jovan Belcher and the Chiefs still wanting to play against the Carolina Panthers uh, a few years ago in 2012. Uh, and you, you would think in situations like that... Uh, these guys would want to take time off and maybe not play right away, but uh, you still see these guys wanting to play. Football helps them take their minds off of things for a little bit. I mean, it's what they love to do. It's, you know, their loved one would say, hey, we still want you to go out and play football. Maybe that's their mindset, too. So, uh, you know, hopefully James Winchester, I mean, if he feels like it's it's best for him to play, then good for him. You know, I want him to do what he feels like he would do. Maybe uh, in his mind, he would say, my dad would want me to play this week, and that's what he'll do. Maybe he personally can't, maybe he doesn't have the, the strength to get it together this week, which is understandable, and he'll want to take that time off, you know? Everyone handles things differently, so uh, best to him, and hopefully he can uh, he can take the time he needs to recover. Um, and uh, if he plays, he plays. If not, the Chiefs have a backup plan with either Travis Kelsey or Anthony Sherman. I want to talk about Tony Romo for, for a moment. A lot of people talking about, are they going to start him when, when he comes back, or when he recovers from injury? No. Why? Why fix something that's not broken? The Cowboys have the best record in the NFL with Dak Prescott. He's clearly going to be the rookie of the year. No question about it. I mean, this is a guy who's dominated this year and has helped the Cowboys get to where they are right now. And Romo was very classy in his press conference, too, saying that, Prescott's earned the starting. I think he's in a position where he understands that his age and the injuries he's dealt with the past two years, he knows that he's very limited on time, so he may not be playing a whole lot. So as much as people love to bash and criticize and make fun of Tony Romo, got to give him credit on this one. I mean, this is a guy who has gone through a lot in his career, up and down. Uh, the way he 
became a starter in the NFL on the way uh, his starting duties were taken away. Uh, just a crazy uh, timeline for, for Tony Romo and props to him for the way he handled uh, the situation publicly. I don't know if a lot of qu- quarterbacks would have done that. Last thing to touch on this segment, uh, Packers QB Aaron Rodgers defended his head coach Mike McCarthy and uh, just ba- I guess the critics basically surrounding McCarthy calling for his job. The Packers have one bad season and people want McCarthy fired. This was last year when the Chiefs started 1-5 and and everyone wanted Andy Reid fired for one bad start, which by the way turned into 11 straight wins, 10 to finish the regular season. Relax people, not to court Aaron Rodgers or anything, but one bad year should not result in a termination. Chill out, it's just one bad year for the Packers. If it's having, if it's occurring on multiple occasions, sure. Let's talk about possibly terminating him, but let's not freak out over one bad year. Let's not forget, this is a guy who brought the Packers a Super Bowl. So chill out. It's just one bad year. Every coach, every great player, all the good teams, they have down years. Doesn't mean you fire them. I was I was flabbergasted by the amount of Royals fans who wanted Ned Yost fired. This past year during baseball. Uh, Ridiculous. Just one down year, people. Chill out. Time to go out of bounds. Alright, there's a lot of talks as to whether or not sports teams are going to visit soon-to-be President Donald Trump at at the White House. Because there's always that tradition where... When you win a championship, you go visit the President of the United States. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, a lot, there's talk about NBA players. Of course, you know, there's statistics shown that a lot of African Americans are in the NBA and, uh, you know, just how they feel about Donald Trump being president and, and how they would not want to show up to the White House if their team won a championship. Uh, the Chicago Cubs, yeah, they just won a World Series, but. Uh, baseball teams don't visit until the middle of their season, which has never made sense to me. So uh, that, that'll take a while to play out. Uh, so I guess the ne- next team that'll visit the White House would be whoever wins the Super Bowl this year. So hopefully the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, would there be players on the Chiefs opposed to wanting to visit? I, I could see that happening. I don't know. Um... Honestly, at this point, you know, we're allowed to have our opinions on politics. We are. I, I, I just choose not to be I choose not to be that guy on Facebook that's uh, very, uh, very explicit about it. Uh, it's their choice. I don't think you're forced to go to the White House. And I, I think it'd be cool just to say you, you got to visit a president and you got to be in the White House. Not many people do that, but uh, it's their choice. I can understand not wanting to do so. All right, UFC 205 was this past weekend, and at the weigh-ins, there was a surprise face-off. Ronda Rousey and women's bantamweight champion Amanda Nunes came out, uh, and they had a little moment on stage where they faced off just to preview their pay-per-view at the end of the year. Uh, and Joe Rogan interviewed Amanda Nunes right after the face-off, which is what he does uh, for the main eventers. At uh, during these weigh-ins, Ronda Rousey took off. They didn't even want to talk. You know, it's funny. Ronda Rousey. By the way, Dana White had the worst defense mechanism for this, saying that oh, the production guys screwed up. They weren't even supposed to talk. They were just supposed to face up. Amanda Nunes was so happy to talk to Joe Rogan. 
she, she started she answered the question and then she looks at the crowd and goes are you ready for this fight and got the fans fired up a little bit so uh, I don't buy Dana White's BS for one moment that they weren't supposed to be interviewed and production screwed up uh, it, it you know it's weird because Ronda Rousey goes on Ellen and, and starts crying and talking about how she was an emotional wreck because of her loss to Holly Holm then she has this tough woman act where she she uh, berated uh, Paige Van Zant because Van Zant congratulated Holly Holm for defeating Rousey. And then she has this, oh, I'm not going to talk. I- I'm just here to face off on stage and, and walk out without doing an interview. Uh, she really has this tough act. Uh, surprising for someone who goes on Ellen, who dresses up so nice and and talks so innocently and talks about her personal feelings. Uh, I just don't buy it, man. Uh, and I'm rooting for Amanda Nunes. I hope Amanda Nunes destroys uh, Ronda Rousey. I, I, I just don't like that tough act. Uh, if you can't back it up, please don't act tough. Conor McGregor, I don't like his act, but at least he can back it up. Speaking of Conor, everyone keeps talking about this Floyd Mayweather possibility. Look, it's going to happen. People said this about the Pacquiao and Mayweather fight before. It's going to happen. There is so much money to be made. Now, whether it's a boxing match or a UFC match, I don't know. Probably better to be a UFC match because God knows Conor McGregor is going to be passed, gassed out in just two rounds, maybe even less than that. So I think it's more likely for it to happen in a UFC bout. And by the way, Mayweather, no, he's never fought in the cage, but he can spend a lot of that pretty penny he has spend it on some coaches teaching them teach teaching some MMA moves that he does not know other than boxing moves. So. Uh, I think uh, that'd be a more even match if they fought in the octagon versus uh, fighting in a boxing match. All right, time to throw my penalty flags. Yeah, I mentioned UFC 205 was this past week. By the way, be sure you guys check out my articles uh, on cagepages.com. I write about the UFC and other MMA uh, promotions on there so be sure you do check out my work over at cagepages.com first flag uh congratulations to misha tate on a great career uh but i've got a nitpick on this her nickname is cupcake i mean can we talk about how ridiculous of a of a fighter nickname that is oh i'm i'm, I'm cupcake i'm gonna i'm gonna fight you i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you in the octagon like no uh, I'm not scared of someone whose name is Cupcake. Like, if you're going to nickname yourself after a piece of food, at least can it be something cool like bacon or cheeseburger? I I, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, Misha Tate's great. Don't get me wrong. She's had a great career. But um, to, be, to, to be called Cupcake, first of all, I, I mean, if you're, an, if you're a fighter... You need to stay away from sweets because you got to get in great tip-top shape for your fights. I don't think she, I, I doubt any of these fighters eat a cupcake uh, when they're in their training camps. Um, yeah, uh, I, if I was a fighter and, I, and if I just happened to be fighting someone whose nickname was Cupcake, uh, I would probably underestimate my opponent. All right, I'm a Jayhawk. Uh, I've, I've got to do this, so uh, I'm prepared for all the hate tweets and uh, Facebook comments coming soon. But I've got to throw a flag on the Missouri Tigers basketball team. I mean, they had number 11 Xavier right up against the wall and almost beat them. But uh, in a tie game in overtime with nine-tenths of a second left, Xavier, they inbound the ball. 
The Tigers foul. And they send the guy to the free throw line. Tie game. Do not foul with less than a second left to go and send the guy to the free throw line. That is the word. You just gift wrap that win for them. I mean, you just cannot foul in that situation. Uh, so uh, the Xavier free throw shooter, I don't remember who it was, but he went to the free throw line, uh, split the free throws, but you know, with less than a second on the clock, uh, it's more than enough to win the game. Uh, it, it's so hard to inbound the pass and uh, get off a, an actually good shot. So Missouri uh, lost a disappointing one. Ugly basketball game, but uh, gosh, uh, you got to pull out a win there. You've got to win. You cannot foul. And they did. All right, I've got the Chiefs winning again in this one. I think they can extend it to 11 straight at Arrowhead Stadium and extend their season winning streak to six in a row. Listen, uh, enjoy it while you can because you never know. I mean, what if the Royals... I I still remember so many people complaining about the Royals during their regular season when they won the World Series. Uh, And of course, the Royals didn't make it to the playoffs this year. What if the Royals go on another 29, 30 year run where they don't make the playoffs and don't play in the World Series? You know, if that's the case, I hope you enjoyed that run they had. Because this might not this might not be a pretty run for the Chiefs, but it's a run of some sort. It's what we've been asking for. It's better than losing games. Maybe they have a heartbreaker loss in the AFC title game or in the Super Bowl. But you know what? Uh, sort of the Royals. And guess what happened the following year? They got back. They won. So have a little confidence, especially when the team's winning. You know, people love to get on me when I'm all negative and critical when when I predict a loss. I'm seeing so many haters when their team's winning. Oh, man, it's really crazy just seeing the negativity during a time like this. Enjoy it. Maybe the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, and then they go another 30, 40 years without a Super Bowl win. So enjoy it. These things, I mean, they, they, they could be short-lived. It's not like New England where they extend the success for 15, 16 years. Some teams have great success, but only for a small period of time. And this might be what happens in Kansas City. Hopefully not. But it could happen. You never know. Enjoy it. The team's winning. And they're going to win this weekend. And I'll be back next week early to talk about the win Hopefully the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Only one podcast next week because of Thanksgiving. So we'll also have the Broncos preview on the same podcast. All of that in one big super podcast next week. Enjoy your weekend. Have fun watching the Chiefs. And again, enjoy it. The team's winning. They're going to continue to win. They're going to do great things. And they're starting to get national attention. Rightfully so. Facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine or search Farzine Vasugan on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Let's continue the interaction this weekend during the games and after the games as well. And I'll read some of your comments on the podcast. I'm Farzine Vasugan. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe. Tell a friend. Until then, I'll talk to you next week.